Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with principal dancer Sasha DeSola. This episode was recorded on Friday, January 25th, 2019, before the opening night performance of Helgi Thomason and Yuri Pasakov's Don Quixote. Hope you enjoy. Well, good evening, everyone. As most of you are familiar with all of this, it's okay to sit further down and fill in the spaces because you have plenty of time to get to your assigned seats after our program. I want to say another good evening and welcome. Welcome to the opening night performance of San Francisco Ballet's 86th repertory season. And welcome to the first of our season's Meet the Artist interviews. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet, and I'm delighted to be in conversation with principal dancer Sasha DeSola. Hi, everyone. (laughs) And before we really launch into conversation, I want to uh, encourage all of you to become aware of all of the uh, amazing um, opportunities to uh, get behind the scenes as an audience, to engage with all of the um, backstage comings, goings, the history, the biographies. The um, audience engagement programming is ever-expanding, and you can probably find it in your program book, but I know you can go on the website and if you click on the menu and then click on Discover, you will find things to read and to listen to and to watch and even opportunities to move, which can be fun <laughs> and uh, really take you into the world of the dancer. So I encourage you all to keep up with all of those activities. So launching into the season, here we go. And Sasha will be appearing in this next week as Kitri in Don Quixote. And we have a couple of opportunities for you all. Unfortunately, not tonight, but um, tomorrow. At least tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. <laughs> and I know it's been posted next uh, Thursday, I believe. So anybody wants to catch a second performance, mm-hmm. that could be fun. <clears throat> when I was... Um, thinking about the ballet and thinking about um, looking forward to having this conversation, I reflect on the fact that you've been in the company now for about, what, 12 12 seasons? seasons. And we really have come to um, appreciate you in the roles that require an exceptionally strong technician. And... (laughs) So when uh, you want to see turns, you can expect to see turns from Sasha and jumps and balances. Um, a role like Kitri really gives you that opportunity. Last season, we saw you in Aurora in Sleeping Beauty. Um, this season, we'll see you in uh, Etudes. Um, is that sort of comfort with things that are technically to us, technically difficult. 
Is that a combination of luck and training, more of one, more of the other? What's Um, your reflection about that? I think I was very lucky to have uh, an incredible teacher when I was training, both when I was in Florida and then when I went to the Kirov Academy. Um, She really gave me a very solid base so that I could build on it. But more than just training, it requires daily practice. It's something that is easy to lose, to be honest. And so every single morning at the bar, every morning is very important to help establish that for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So an ongoing project. Yeah, always <laughs> ongoing. Um, dare I ask, is there any one element of the, the technical world that you find more challenging the thing you work harder on? Yeah, I mean, I work hard on everything. <laughs> but um, to be honest, I don't really enjoy jumping. Um, so I've had to learn to love it. It's one of those, I've had to trick myself into thinking I like it. Um, <laughs> and, and practice it. And practice it, exactly. Right. Oh, wow. Um, the... Um, the roles of Aurora and Kitri between them um, are really at the top of a list of roles that a ballerina can aspire to. Um, very technically challenging. Um, also, they're a full, it's a full-length ballet. So say a word or two about having to pull out those multiple turns at the end of the fourth act. Yeah, um, that's, of course, a challenge because everything becomes much more difficult when you're tired and it's almost, you know, 10 or 11 p.m. But um, uh, as far as creating or creating a character within a full length, I think it's important to stay in each moment. I don't really like to think about what's coming. I like to be very, very present in that moment. Um, and then when it's time to do the 32 fautes, it's time to do the 32 fautes. But <laughs> um, up until then, I something that really helps me is actually to stay within the character, whether it's Kitri or Aurora. Even though they're not the most dramatic roles, they still have an arc, and um, each character is very important. It becomes part of me for those three hours and for those few weeks, actually, leading up to it as well. Speaking of the more dramatic roles, um, as you mentioned, both Kitri and Aurora are technically very demanding, and they're at the top of the classical repertoire, but they're really not considered the most dramatic challenge Mm -hmm. to a ballerina, as, for instance, Giselle Mm -hmm. or um, Odette. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you enjoy doing really dramatic roles where you have to build a character? Yeah, I do. Um, like I said, the character generally drives my technique, actually. It, it's, they're very correlated, especially in a full-length ballet. Um, and when it's in a neoclassical ballet that doesn't have a character, I have to find another motivation for the technical aspect. I never really like to just focus on the technique only because it becomes... Um, at least in my mind, it becomes a little bit too much about the steps rather than the ambiance of the entire ballet. So you like to tell a story? Yeah, I I love it. I enjoy it. I'm thinking of two or three of your more recent roles. 
comes to mind is uh, in Frankenstein, you played the um, nanny, the nursemaid. Yes, Justine. Uh, Justine, mm-hmm. which is a harrowingly tragic role. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then in uh, you um, got to be in uh, Val Canaparelli's Ibsen House. Mm-hmm. Which role did you play in that? Uh, I played Rebecca West in that, yeah, Romer's and that really asked you to be very dramatic and develop a character. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the other side of the coin, mm-hmm. in Cinderella, mm-hmm. you got to be one of the stepsisters. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was so much fun. I actually find that comedic roles are the most challenging um, because they require such a fine balance and... Um, like a really natural sense of timing. Um, so I enjoyed it a lot, but it actually felt like a lot of pressure at the same time. It was a really interesting experience. Well, and it was a number of years ago, so you were still yes. finding your voice as a solo dancer. Yeah. So maybe get to do it again maybe. would be fun. Um, I want to save chatting about the actual ballet Don Quixote for closer to the end of our talk, but um, there's a chance to be comedic. In yeah. tonight's yeah. There's um, a lot of chances. <laughs> so we've talked um, mostly now about the classic roles mm-hmm. and you using all of that wonderful classic technique, mm-hmm. classical technique. Mm-hmm. San Francisco Ballet has done or is known for doing new work. Mm-hmm. And uh, last spring, of course, there was the now really renowned Unbound Festival. Mm-hmm. You were in a number of those pieces. How do you like being in work that's being created on you? I love it. I mean, it's a completely different experience than interpreting work that has already been created. Um, so one of the things that comes to mind when I think about Unbound specifically and just creating work is that you get to put your own flavor into your role, which I find really special. Um, and. Each choreographer always has a different way to work. Some choreographers have a very clear vision of what they want, and you have to try to give them what they want and replicate what they're looking for. And other choreographers, like Trey McIntyre, for example, he's he's probably 6'4", 6'5", and wearing sneakers, and he gives you an idea of what he wants, and then you shape it. And so I feel like there's a a big opportunity in that type of... um, relationship to really bring your own individual aspect to the piece that's being created. And then as the piece gets handed down, I know sometimes in the notes it'll say the Sasha part (laughs) or the the Misha part or the... um, There was a great deal of conversation. There were many conversations last spring. I'm sure many of you took part in them about how we define contemporary ballet. Um, Tons of ideas came up. And so thinking about how you might define contemporary ballet, how do you um, adjust maybe your mind when you are entering a rehearsal room and then the stage? for a contemporary work as opposed to a classic work? Hmm, That's a great question. I think each, whether it's contemporary or classic, each role requires something completely different. Um, So just from the beginning, my warm-up might be different. 
my mindset might be different. The music I listen to in my iPod might be different. Um, and from there, I, I always really try to visualize what I'm about to dance before I go on stage. So that kind of helps get me in the right mindset. And it helps my body also respond better to what I need it to do. Um, but one of the things about being a dancer here is you have to be so versatile. You have to be able to dance Sleeping Beauty and Kitri and also um, very contemporary works created just this past year. So it's And there are a number of those that will reappear this season, yes. which is very exciting. Are you in, in some of those? Yes, I am. Great. Yes. So yeah. we get to see you in your full range. Yes. Um, for those of you who came in after we started, um, I'm having conversation with principal dancer Sasha DeSola, who will be performing the role of Kitri in Don Quixote later this week. Let's talk a little bit about Don Quixote, which is, um, it's just, it's being advertised as the rom-com. Mm -hmm. <laughs> San Francisco ballets or ballets, romantic comedy. Um, first of all, just offer some of your general impressions of the, the audience is going to sit back and the curtain's going to go up. So this is, when I think of Don Quixote, I think of a fun ballet, to be honest. It's pyrotechnic, it's exciting, it's um, funny, entertaining. Um, it doesn't have that many moments of real seriousness. It has a much more lighthearted feel to it in general. There are moments, of course. Um, so you can expect a lot of technique, a lot of incredible dancing, and um, a lot of um, Spanish character flavor as well, which is really important to the piece to help create the atmosphere. Um, backing up to uh, pyrotechnic, yeah. <laughs> the technique, we will unpack each of those things you said. <laughs> um, so where does, where does Don Quixote come from? It's history. Pettipaw. Yeah. It comes from the 19th century. Yeah. And it's, of course, evolved. Mm -hmm. our, contempt our current production is um, probably very closely descended from one of those old Imperial Russian productions. But it was put together and tailored by Helgi Thomason and Yuri Posakov. Yeah. And, of course, Yuri Posakov inherited that pretty much firsthand from the Russian school. Mm -hmm. um, so you, I was thinking about your having performed Aurora mm -hmm. in The Sleeping Beauty. You don't even come on stage for the first, basically, act. Oh, uh, yeah, the, for the prologue, right? For the prologue. Yeah. It, called the, it might as yeah. well be an act yeah. in Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. In this ballet, mm -hmm. it's like you are thrown onto the stage in the first minute, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you don't stop dancing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but it's a completely different experience. I think Kitri, her physicality is completely different. It's She's almost, in my mind, a little bit... Uh, she's so explosive and f fiery and almost animalistic in a way, especially in the first act and in the taverna. And um, whereas Aurora has to be regal, even when she's young and she's a princess, she has to be regal and very controlled. And there mm -hmm. has to be a level of... Um, distance in a way um so it's a completely different way to get on the stage Kitri has a, a lot more freedom in that way she can just be free and use up the space and Aurora needs a little bit of restraint yeah. 
Um, what about the Spanish style? Is that something that you um, inherited any training? Did you take character dance as a student? Yeah, I took many years of character dance, so that comes in handy after all. Um, yeah, I, I took many, many years, and I'm really grateful for that because even just with the port bra or... Um, the way you use your feet, even if we're in point shoes, of course, with Kitri, it's a bit different. But um, particularly with the upper body, it makes a big difference. And then there's the fan. Yeah. That, you know, I didn't have any practice with the fan before Kitri, um, but I guess you just get used to it. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. I'm not a props kind of person. <laughs> yeah, the fan is um, every little girl in who goes on point and goes to what we call variations class, learns the Don Quixote variation. Mm -hmm. And it involves a fan. Yeah. And I can imagine that it's a ch something to think about. Well, yeah, it, it was in the beginning process for me. Now it's kind of become part of the movement. Um, but... I definitely wanted to find like the right angles for the fan, the right shape that it makes, so that visually from the audience it reads very rounded, very um, full. The movement needs to be very full with the fan. And also, something I also think about is how fast I f move the fan, like how fast I fan myself with the fan, sometimes slower, sometimes faster, depending on the mood that Kitri's in in that moment. Um, so again, even though Don Quixote is not known to be a super dramatic uh, role, her character still plays such a big part in the physical aspect of what you're going to see. Um, and I love that about full-length ballets. Talk about the comedic aspect. <clears throat> this, is, this is just a delightful romantic comedy, so there's all kinds of moments. Is it in the choreography or the coaching, or are you given license to just be funny? How does that um, work? It's a little bit of both. Um, there are definitely choreographed moments um, where they're very clear on what they'd like to see at what point. Um, and then there are also a lot of individual moments where each key tree will do something slightly different or approach her partner, Basilio, a slightly different um, so it's, a, it's a, a bit of both. Yeah. There are some elements of timing, I imagine, that you have to mm -hmm. practice so as to make sure the laugh is spontaneous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there are plenty of those. Um, there are a couple of other comedic characters we should probably just reference, one being Gamache and the other being Don, uh, Sancho Panza. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to quickly describe each of them? Okay, so Gamache is basically an aristocrat, and he's quite flamboyant. You'll spot him immediately. Like, he's hard to miss. He has an incredible hat and incredible costume. And um, he basically comes to the town to try to marry Kitri. Um, but, of course, Kitri doesn't like him. She likes Basilio. And Sancho Panza is Don Quixote's sidekick, almost. Um, he's basically, um, he has a little belly. He loves his jamón serrano. He really um, is a, he's really funny. Um, and tonight you'll see Pascal Molat as Sancho Panza. He's hilarious. 
and Alexandre Cagnat um, as Gamache. And they're, a lot of these characters are, have evolved from the old Commedia dell'arte tradition in which there is a stock character for each type of role. And uh, I think the fun thing is in just bringing it to life yeah. as, as these have. Um, it's our custom, as you know, to let the audience ask us some questions. Are you ready for... Sounds good. ...to open it up? <laughs> is anyone willing to go first? I want to um, encourage you to speak up so that we can hear, and I will repeat the question so that everybody knows what, what we're asking. Let's, where do we want to start? Someone have a question for Sasha? Yes. Uh-huh. That works. The, the, um, she makes the comment that um, Pascal Molat was, is performing the role of um, Sancho Panza. Pascal retired from being a fully performing member of the company, but we keep seeing these wonderful retired masters of the dance return. So, yeah, so Sancho Panza is considered a character role in this production, so he... Um, we're lucky to have Pascal in it because he'll come back and there's minimal dancing, but he's, uh, like I said, a character. So uh, he, it's really important for him to portray who Sancho Panza is and help build up Don Quixote without much choreography, let's say, dance choreography. So he doesn't have to do double tours. Exactly, yeah. And there are others of our... <clears throat> um, our cohort of mm-hmm. character dancers will be on the stage. Yep. Jim Soam, yep. who was who retired probably in the 80s. Um, Anita Pachotti, mm-hmm. uh, Ricardo Bustamante, Val Canaparoli. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a tradition in the art form to um, bring all of that experience and skill to the character part. Mm-hmm. So we're really blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, how about somebody on this side? <laughs> Some examples of the music you listen to when you're doing your uh, warm-up. <laughs> um, sure. I, so I find that when I'm going to dance something very technically demanding, I need music that's calming because I get nervous. Um, and so I have different playlists on my Spotify um, account that... Cor- correspond to different types of moods I need to be in, or if it's something that I know needs a lot of energy, like, for example, Keytree, but I'll probably be nervous, so I'll have enough energy. Um, I, I generally listen to much more upbeat music, um, so it really it, it depends, but that's generally how it works. Yeah. Are you listening to this music while you're in the dressing room putting on makeup, or are you listening to this makeup when you're actually doing your warm-up? Both. Yeah. Yeah. Both. I'll remember that the next time I pass by and you have your headphones yeah. on and, yeah. and you're kind of going, I'll know yeah. what, what yeah, you're it's listening probably to. Beyonce, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, somebody on this side this time. How did you get your start in dance? Um, great... Yeah, it is a great question. Um, so I started just by chance. I was really young. I was three years old, and my mom put me in dance class. But it was like a more of a movement class, I guess, um, just because I was really shy and just to do something. And then I started really loving it, and I um, did jazz and tap and hip-hop even, which is not my forte. Um, <laughs> and 
eventually I tried ballet and I fell in love with the challenge of it and the structure and um, the roles that a ballet dancer can eventually perform. So that's kind of what drew me into it. And so by the time I was 10, I decided that's what I wanted to do professionally. And I started training much harder after that. A question I always am interested to hear the answer, and we skipped over it, is how did you find San Francisco Ballet? Or how did San Francisco Ballet find you? Sort of the second part of your question. (laughs) Part two. Um, So I was in school. I was a junior in high school and training in Washington, D.C. at the Kirov Academy. And I went to a couple of international ballet competitions, so Jackson IBC and Varna IBC. Um, And I sent my video to Helgi just kind of out of curiosity, to be honest, to kind of see um, what the response would be like. And I had always heard about San Francisco Ballet, and I was just trying to see where a good fit might be for me. Um, and as I landed from Varna, I was landing, and Helgi called me personally on my cell phone to invite me to come take class, and I did, obviously, and uh, pretty much the rest is history. That's how I ended up here. Fantastic. And since you mentioned the competitions, why don't you mention how well you did? (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) Uh, at Jackson, so I was competing as a junior, so I got, they have like a best couple prize. I competed as a potida. You can either compete uh, individual or as a mm-hmm. couple. So they only have one prize for the couple, and I won the best junior couple. Um, and then in Varna, I won the bronze medal. Same year. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. I had not read that far down in your bio before, so yeah. I was tickled about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we have a couple more. This, this. I didn't hear the whole question, did you? Yes. The question was what part of Don, part or parts of Don Quixote are my favorite to perform? Um, so... Just when I first started learning it, the vision scene, the dryad scene, was definitely my favorite. It's more lyrical. It's more um, ethereal. And I always gravitate towards that kind of work. Um, But I've learned to really, really, really love the taverna. It's so much fun. You'll see it tonight. Um, it's It's just fun. You can just release, let go jump, turn, whatever, but just have fun with it. And thats it's just like the energy and the passion that Kitri has is what's most uh, apparent in that scene, and I love that about it. And that's where the, the high drama and comedy drama yes. takes place as well. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, one more. What's your perfect fit point shoe? Start by saying how individual point shoe fitting is. Oh, yeah. So point shoes, so I wear Repetto. Uh, point shoes. Um, and I didn't always wear them. I used to wear freed and I would wear stock shoes because I have really strong feet and I needed a shank that was hard enough to support my foot. Um, but I had an injury and after that I decided I wanted to change because there were certain aspects of my freeds that I didn't like. And um, so, yes, I got custom repetos that basically are 
measured, molded exactly to your foot, which is really incredible. It makes such a big difference in your dancing when you have a, a shoe that fits well. Um, and every dancer in this company wears a different shoe. There's no dancer that wears the same shoe. As far as I know, maybe that's not true, but approximately something like that. So, yeah, it's... Um, I find that with point shoes, I'm still adjusting. For example, when I do Don Quixote tomorrow, I'll need different shoes for each act. In the first act, I need really soft shoes so I can jump and like grab the floor as much as possible. Um, for the second act, I'd like to have slightly more supportive shoes as well as the third act. Um, so it just it's always a challenge figuring out exactly what you need for each piece and each moment of each piece as well. I've always compared point shoes and how dancers fix their point shoes with packing your own para- parachute. Mm-hmm, yeah. it's your, your performance <laughs> yeah. depends on what you do with that shoe. Oh, yeah. I'm afraid we've run out of our time. I want to thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you, Mary. This has been delightful. Thank you. Thank you all. And enjoy tonight's performance. Thank, thank you. you.